Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being ahead on the technological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. Thrive. They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Well, hello and welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Birch, and the CEO and founder of JEB Commerce, uh, award-winning affiliate management agency. So we have a great guest for you today. Before we get started, though, you're listening to this probably right before Q4 hits into high gear. If you need help trying to figure out how you keep your acquisition costs low and what strategy you need to deploy to get as much revenue and new customers that you can, you definitely want to reach out and let us know we can help. You can get a hold of us at gethelp at jebcommerce.com. And today we are speaking with Tierra Ray Palmer, the partnership manager, actually director of partnerships at Coupon Follow. So we have a great conversation. I got a ton of notes. We dive into the topic, right into the topic of the value of coupon sites. We talk about that. We talk about her journey from handsome cab driver to affiliate marketing and all those stops in the way and why she has stayed in affiliate marketing. But we talk about driving new customer acquisition. Uh, we talk about what verticals are really valuable and how consumer behavior has shifted. And we dive into, is there value within coupon affiliates? So this is really important. Now we have created a very in-depth study on whether coupons drive value or not. And you can go to jbcommerce.com slash value, and that'll take you to our research on this topic. And it aggregates research from all the networks and other organizations that have studied this consumer behavior. It's still very valid. So go to jbcommerce.com slash value for that information. But let's just jump right into this conversation that I have with Tierra Ray Palmer. Good morning, Tierra. Thank you for joining me on the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. You'd think after 52, 53 episodes, I'd be able to say that without stuttering, but I'm not, I'm not able to, to say it. So. <laughs> you want to give it a try? Uh, no, not on record. No. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good to have you on the show. Thank you for you know being so good with the rescheduling. It's always fun to try and map out and get everyone coordinated for these kind of things, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to get to talk to you about some affiliate stuff and probably some weird personal stuff uh, like previous jobs and we'll see how it yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah. Now I, unlike our prep call, I have no animals in the office with me. Are you joined by any of the, I think it was cats that you have? <laughs> yes, I have three cats. One of them is in the office with me right now. Her name is Mitsu and she's four years old now. Right on, right on. Well, let us know if she has anything to add to the conversation. <laughs> she is passed out, so I think she'll be good. I kicked the other ones out so they wouldn't interrupt. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk about your first job when we were in the prep call and this kind of came out. I was super excited. It's very interesting and really rare. So where did you start your working life? 
<laughs> yeah. So definitely nothing to do with affiliate, which is so funny. I mean, that's how most people I think start out. So my first job, my mom worked as a horse and carriage driver in this little town called St. Charles in Missouri. And she actually got me into it as well. I was really into, still am really into animals and horses and everything like that. So that was my first career was driving a horse and carriage down Main Street in St. Charles in Missouri. And I did that for a couple of years every summer and winter when I was home from college. So it was a it was a wild experience. That is awesome. As any of our listeners know, if I'm not working or recording a podcast or publishing a podcast, I am either on the back of a horse, driving a horse somewhere or watching someone either drive a horse or ride <laughs> a horse. So when I heard that, I was like, ah, my people. Yes. I've never done that. I can't imagine. I get anxiety just thinking about driving one of those and the cars around and everything that had to have been just crazy to get used to. I mean, honestly, it was very strange because there's not as much prep as you would think going into it. It was kind of just like, oh, do you think you can do this? And then they train you for like a week. And then I was behind the horse, but they were very well-trained horses, really good. They were Percheron. So they're kind of just like, in my opinion, like big dogs. You could just, you know, play with them. Really big dogs. Yes, really big dogs. They're huge. But they were just so friendly and good and just really good at what they did and kind of bred for that kind of work. So they were really happy to kind of get out there and and be able to pull things like that. I think the owner had bought them from some Amish people, actually. So they had in their previous lives been already kind of doing stuff like that as well. That's amazing. I would think it would take quite a bit to get trained to do that. Although your interview process sounds identical <laughs> to my first job out of college. And they said, do you think you can do this search engine optimization? And the cocky 24-year-old in me was like, yeah, what's <laughs> of that? Of course, yeah. I'll Google <laughs> now it Now I just had to go, yeah, I'll Google it. I'll call a friend, uh, phone a friend. But that's awesome. That If you have a picture we can share, that would be phenomenal. Yes, <laughs> I, I will send love. it to you. I, have, I asked my mom, actually, and she had a couple. I didn't have any, but yeah, she had a couple of me doing it. They're very blurry, like, you know, 2000 and three 2004 camera phone pictures, but they'll do. Awesome. Well, so from carriage driving to coupon follow, talk to me about how did you go from there to find affiliate marketing? Yeah, such a natural progression from, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I got into affiliate marketing on accident, which is again, I think kind of a theme for a lot of us in the industry, but I was freshly graduated. I had just moved to California I went to school in New York and I grew up in Missouri, so I was kind of all over the place. But I moved to California and I applied for a job in tech support at this web hosting company. And it was supposed to be kind of this interim thing while I found something that I really wanted to do. Mid-interview, the head of business development kind of rushed in and was like, do you want to work in affiliate? I had no idea what affiliate was. I had absolutely no idea what that meant, but it paid more. So, and it was definitely more in line with my English degree. So I was kind of like, let me try this out and see what it's like. If it's an interim job anyway, I can always move on. And it just stuck. Several months later, I was assistant affiliate manager. And then I actually ran the affiliate program there and took over some business development stuff with that person who hired me, who I'm still close with. And she kind of taught me the ins and outs of affiliate and marketing in general. It was kind of the greatest first job to get into in kind of the affiliate side. 
Well, that's fantastic. You know, we've had a couple people that have entered the affiliate world from a writing perspective. What do you think lends itself in those two areas? Why is it such a natural kind of transition that we hear a lot about? Yeah, it's all about communication, I think. And I think that's what the business development manager, Amy, why she hired me for that role, because communication is so important in this. And she was really looking for someone who could talk to multiple different kinds of people and kind of meet them where they were and you know, break things down in a simpler way for people. And I think that's what writing really is and lends itself definitely in the affiliate industry for sure. That's a really good point because, you know, we talk about and, you know, a constant theme throughout my career dating back to 1999 has been the importance of relationship building and communication is so important. And a lot of times I think that can be really hard to teach. Do you agree with that? Do you think it's easier to grab that skill set and then teach them the rest of the digital marketing kind of toolkit? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, from personal experience, I know that to be true <laughs> just because I had really no idea what I was doing, I think, in marketing. And I learned on the fly. And I think that stuff is easier to learn in that kind of a way than it is to be able to communicate effectively. If you can't communicate effectively, I was a tutor for a little bit in college and after. And it's very hard when people don't have a really good grasp on how to communicate with different levels. For example, dealing with someone who's a C-level or someone who is just starting or someone who's in high school, like knowing how to talk to these different people, I think it's hard to teach for sure. Yeah. And definitely, I think one of the most unique things about our channel compared to the other digital channels is the necessity, the need, and the importance of you know building relationships, communicating with people, because that is the foundation of our partnerships. Yeah. That's really what kept me, I think, in the affiliate industry since 2006. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, partnership is kind of the the biggest part of it to me and that's, you know, why I was brought on here at Coupon Follow as well and what my role really is essentially about at Coupon Follow is managing partnerships and making sure that partners and advertisers that we work with feel like they're getting as good of a deal as we are, you know? Yeah, and so tell me you're now the director of partnerships at Coupon Follow. What does your day-to-day -day look like? It is a lot of different things, I would say. So like I kind of said, I was brought on to really accelerate the Coupon Follow brand and grow partnerships. So that's my primary goal day to day in working with Coupon Follow. We really try to build successful partnerships between those advertisers and Coupon Follow. And, you know, that's ideally to increase sales, visibility, drive share of voice, all those good things. So it's really just talking to them day to day, talking with agencies like Jeb and working with these affiliate networks to really ensure that we're doing everything we can to promote these brands in the best way to the most consumers with the highest quality conversions. And I'm incredibly lucky, I think, in that regard, because Coupon Follows audience is an audience that's primed to buy. So when we highlight a brand or promote a brand in that way, the interest is already incredibly high. They're already ready to purchase. They're looking for that last push over the edge, and we give them that push. So. I think that's mainly what I get up to. Other things, we kind of wear a lot of hats here because we're still a pretty small company, but I do some QA on the site. I manage a team of really amazing account managers who work on the partnerships team and general operation stuff like building areas where we keep track of sales and placements. And then I do write content for our blog as well. 
Gotcha. Okay. And tell me, how is coupon follow different than, you know, it's got coupon in the name. So our listeners are probably grouping you in that category. (laughs) So tell me, you know, how is it different? And we can talk about all that comes with that grouping and that categorization. But talk to us about your unique selling proposition or unique value prop, how you guys are different than the rest in that category. Yeah, I think the main thing is you kind of pointed it out a little bit, but there's coupon in our name, right? So we're always going to be a coupon site first and foremost. That's our bread and butter. But we do a lot more than just coupons. So we do offer cash back. We have content on our blog and some really unique media relationships that we've been able to get brands on places like Fox and Friends and NBC News. So some really great things like that. I really do think at the end of the day, the thing that makes the biggest difference is really our partnership our partnership first mentality. We're looking to help advertisers grow. We're looking to get consumers the most money back. And I think a lot of sites that are lumped in with the coupon genre kind of forget about the customer experience. You know, the main goal of all of our companies is to make money, obviously. But when you kind of forget about the consumer experience, that is really hard. And I think that brings down your brand. It kind of does you a disservice in that way. So we really try to focus on that as well as keeping our advertiser partners and brands happy. So really the partnerships angle is very important to us and just trying to do everything we can to make sure that we're not just a coupon site, whatever that means to certain people who think that that is a downside. Yeah, and definitely. And one of the things that come up, I didn't list it in my questions, so feel free to pun on this one and we can always edit that out. There is a general observation of feeling within a lot of advertisers about coupon sites. And so you kind of brought that up with, you know, audiences ready to buy and they would say, you know, there's not a lot of value in that. So how do you view that and how do you counter that when you're working with a partner and that's, you know, they kind of bring that to the table? Yeah. And we get that so often too. As a quote unquote coupon site, we're kind of roped into that particular genre. And I think that's really a disservice to advertisers when they look the other way. There's so much that I think a coupon site offers to a consumer. There's always going to be consumers looking for coupons. That, first of all, is never going to go away. And I think some brands kind of mistakenly think, well, if I don't offer a coupon, that makes my brand look higher end or something like that. But we've actually seen the opposite. Whereas if you don't offer a coupon, these consumers are not tied to your specific brand for the most part. So they're just going to look somewhere else that has that coupon. So, you know, if your coach, coach is a bad example, actually, because they offer a lot of coupons, but say they didn't, you know, somebody might go and look at a different brand instead. They may not be as loyal to the coach brand as one would think. So we really try to put it out there that these discounts don't make your brand look weak. They actually make your brand stronger with consumers who maybe couldn't afford it otherwise. You know, two things that resonated with me there is one is brand loyalty. There's a recent study out that really showed that Gen Z millennials, their brand loyalty doesn't really exist like it does for Gen X and boomers. They aren't brand loyal. And so that brings up a whole slew of thoughts of what to do. And then the one thing I've always thought is, and what I've seen in the last definitely five years, is all these affiliates, coupon included, have built a brand themselves. And the loyalty 
has shifted to some degree from, especially with their audience from the brand, the retailer, the advertiser to the affiliate. So while you brought up the topic of a high-end brand thinking that a discount will discount their brand in the consumer's eyes, when a lot of times the consumer is going to make a purchase, they use site A to do their discovery, to do their searching, and then they make a purchase. But if you're not there, if you don't have real estate there, if you're not, I wrote a couple articles, that, you know, if you're not a shop in that mall and I'm going to buy a pair of Dockers or Slacks, I'm going to buy a pair of Slacks that day. If you're not there, you're not in my solution set. So it seems that that's, I think, even more relevant as this current generation is growing up and their brand affinity is just not the same. Yeah. And it's so much easier now to find alternatives. So, you know, using Coach again, if you're looking for a Coach bag, you may not necessarily buy from coach.com because if they don't have that discount or they're not offering you what you're looking for, you may go to a secondhand shop, which is really popular right now. Or you may, you know, go to a different brand entirely just because you can't either afford it or because you don't feel like the company is valuing you by, you know, not giving you these discounts. Yeah. And I concur with what you've seen is we haven't seen a brand's, their mind share, how they're viewed go down with a discount. We've actually seen time and again, the average order value increase, the, the number of purchases over a lifetime increase throughout the year. We have a couple of case studies where the average consumer would purchase uh, 1.2 times a year when we use a discount policy strategy that kept everything profitable, but it really increased our exposure to the audience that they purchased 1.7 times on average. So kind of, you know, refuting that concept of, you know, of really diluting the brand. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is that a lot of advertisers really don't know the value of coupon because they haven't tested it or they've been out of it for so long that they think it's one certain way. So for us, we always try to tell them, give us one month and we'll show you the conversion rates and we'll show you how many people are purchasing. We'll show you the average order value. We really want to show that just because we're a coupon site doesn't mean we're not providing value. So yeah, we usually try to do a one month test with these kinds of brands and say, if you're not happy with the conversion rate at that point, then you know we understand and maybe it's not what you're looking for, but our conversion rates are so high that people are surprised by that usually when they have a certain mindset about coupon and affiliate. That's great. We do a lot of testing. I'm a firm believer in that. When you do a one-month test with a client, what kind of KPIs do you typically track? Do you report back? And do you have a conversation around? Yeah, it's completely up to the brand. So again, with going back to kind of partnerships and how we're partnership forward, we tailor everything to that specific brand. So if you know coach comes to us and they're looking to track, hey, we want new customers, we'll track that. Or if Macy's comes to us and say, you know, we only want to track clicks, we just want to see how many new, you know, clicks you guys can drive to us, then we'll track that for them. So it's really up to the specific brand, what they're looking for. But I would say generally new customers versus existing is a huge, it's always a huge battle. I and mean, that's really what a lot of brands are looking for. And then gross profit as well. Yeah, no, that's great. And especially the new, that's what we always look at. And, you know, so many times I'm surprised by this category when we do look at that, if the key KPI is new customer acquisition, and we can see that in many, many cases, a site like Coupon Follow has outperformed like every channel 
as far as new customer acquisition. So my belief is if you have a goal of say new customers or top line revenue or net profit, or you want to sell your in-house brand more than your reseller brands, that your goals have to be aligned from, you know, really CEO down to the affiliate. And you have to provide tools and you have to make sure that the environment you're providing, everyone's incentivized, and then they have the tools. So as far as like new customer acquisition, if I said to you, that's our goal for this client, what do you guys do on your end? And what do you need from an advertiser to really make that test as effective as possible? Yeah, we have a bunch of really great options that we've come across this past, I would say, two years where we've really been trying to focus in on new customers. So one thing for sure is newsletters. And I think that's something that other brands uh, in the space also offer. But getting eyeballs on the brand and with a newsletter like ours, where the open rate is about 15%, it's pretty high. So you know, getting those eyes on your brand, if you have a good deal, if you have a good coupon that you can put out there and it's a limited time offer or it's exclusive to coupon follow audience, that is huge. And then I would say the other thing too is we try to put specific brands on competitor site pages on coupon follow. So that helps them, for example, I'm just going to use big ones, but like Target and Walmart. So for example, if Target wants to attract a Walmart audience, maybe we'll put them on Walmart's site for a week and see what kind of new customers come over from Walmart who are looking for the same kinds of products. They just may want a deal that Walmart does not offer. So we do see a huge influx of new customers that way as well when we are pushing their brand to a brand new audience who has really never seen them before. Yeah, definitely. We've done that in the past too and found that new customer acquisition is really good. That's a really good tactic to take. Is the newsletter one of the ways that your audience discovers new brands and new products? Yes, absolutely. So we send out a couple newsletters every week that are what we call multi-merchant newsletters. And these are, they feature, you know, 10 to 16 brands, any deals that they offer, even cash back if they offer that. And we try to highlight whatever the best deal is, we'll try to highlight that in the number one spot just to call attention to it. So if Target has a $5 gift card that you're getting this week, that's obviously going to be something we want to highlight to a consumer. But this is also a place where a lot of smaller brands have good success because they will be seen by a larger audience that they may not have the opportunity to get to otherwise. Awesome. Awesome. Are you enjoying the show so far? I sure hope so. You know, there's been an awful lot of discussion over the last few years about the value of coupon affiliates. Maybe even you have doubted whether there's value or not. Well, we at JB Commerce wanted to find out, and the good news is the data is out there. So we interviewed all the top networks, did our own research, and compiled all the data from many reports already done about these affiliates on whether they add value or not. You see, we wanted to know the truth. And that resulted in an ebook that is now available to you at jbcommerce.com value. In this ebook, you'll find the three categories of coupon affiliates, information from Rakuten's marketing report on incrementality, data from Google and Comscore, data from Link Connector on commission stealing, funnel participation, and data on brand perception, and so much more. If you're struggling with this debate and trying to determine your coupon strategy, you definitely want to download this free ebook. 
and I want you to have this 100% for free simply for being a listener of our podcast. You can access this free ebook at jbcommerce.com slash value, all for free. So thank you for listening. Now back to our show. So Affiliate Summities happened not too long ago. One of the threads that came back from that, I wasn't able to attend, but my team came back, was there was a lot of discussion about coupon sites need to do much more to stay relevant. And when I brought that to the team, my team said, well, you need to talk to Coupon Follow. So <laughs> talk to me about that concept. Well, you know, What are you guys doing? What do you see in the space that is changing, needs to change? And what are you guys doing to kind of lead that? Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest compliment you could really give us, to be honest. You know, we've already been talking about just as a coupon site, how you're you're really roped into a particular block of types of sites. And, you know, everyone's pretty familiar with a coupon site and what they do. So advertisers are generally just looking the other way and they think that we don't offer that value. So again, it's really trying to educate those brands that we do a lot more than just post a code on our site and leave it at that. I think I brought this up, but we tailor proposals to each brand. So if their focus is on content, not specifically on coupon, we can kind of work on ways to include blog posts or social callouts or some kind of a solo newsletter where we can include more insight into the brand or just more information about what this brand is, what it provides, what it does. There's just really so much we can offer. And with our conversion rates being so high, we really try to just push that to top of mind so that they'll give us a chance. If a brand is, you know, struggling or looking for ways to increase revenue and they aren't looking at coupon publishers, they're really missing a big piece of that puzzle, uh, especially with the current climate, COVID, you know, COVID aside, kind of, even in the current climate that we have where it's, we're almost in a post-COVID market, consumers are really desperate to save money. So even a couple dollars off can really be a lifesaver to some people. And, you know, we just try to push that value to brands who may otherwise be wary and just let them know that we do a lot more. And if there's something they want to focus on like content or cashback, we do provide that. And we will focus on that more than the coupon side of things that they need. Yeah. And definitely I want to talk about that, but you brought up something that is really top of mind right now with how inflation is getting out of control. The question of, are we in, are we entering? Will there be a recession? We're seeing a lot of things similar. I see a lot of similarities between uh, the recessions that I've been through. A lot of layoffs we see on LinkedIn every day. We're seeing those things. And what I have noticed in times like that, it's right about time when we hear a lot of discussion about we got to get away from coupon sites. (laughs) We want to increase our margin. We don't want to discount our brand. Something happens unrelated to that. And what we see is, like you said, consumers are very sensitive, price sensitive right now, and they still have to make those purchases, but everything is so damn it more expensive than it was three months ago that getting the right price and saving a few dollars becomes more important. And we see the coupon sites kind of rise in importance during that time. So from our perspective, there's always a reason to include them as part of your strategy. And right now it's so important. Yeah. And I mean, when brands kind of ignore that, I definitely think they're doing a disservice to themselves and their customers. You know, the customer, even if you're offering them just a dollar off a 1% discount or something like that, even if it's a small thing, consumers really appreciate that. That really makes your brand stand out. So I think that's the most important thing to consider is if you're thinking of moving away from coupons when you're entering a recession, I think you're definitely going the wrong way. 
Yeah. And so we talk about, and we talked on our prep call, like, you know, we are we post COVID. I don't know. Are we <laughs> I know it's I, hard to I say that. Know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I had a guest on not too long ago and we talked about where we all were July or August of 2020, or maybe it was 21 saying, okay, we're through this. And just how funny that concept is now. <laughs> but a lot has changed in the last two years. You know, we've had logistic problems. There's been so many secondary ancillary impacts from the pandemic and shutdowns and things like that. How has the coupon vertical adapted to those changes? Yeah. I mean, as you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in affiliate in general during this time. I really say this a lot, but I think our site in particular, and probably many other coupon-based publishers too, we were very lucky during the height of the pandemic because our service is providing something that consumers need and something that consumers really can't live without, which is saving money, getting a discount, getting the best value for the product that they need at that time. So without the ability for them to go in store, we saw you know, a huge boom in traffic and sales, just in general in searching for coupons, all that stuff. So it was just kind of an unprecedented time. And since then, we've really had to adapt to Consumers going back in store, shifting how they shop online again, if they shop online. So really our main mission being to save people money, we started offering cash back to try and compensate for some of those consumers preferring real cash to just a discount code. And that's been a game changer for us. It's really increased earnings for brands where a consumer might have gone in store instead, if not for that cash back option, or you know they may choose a different brand entirely if they don't offer some kind of discount or cash back. So that's really helped us boost some of the smaller brands or maybe brands that are struggling a bit more during this time. Have you found that offering the cash back? So at the end of the day, on a $100 order, say there's a, a 10 bucks we can play with, you can do it as a coupon. So a $10 off or a 10% off, or you can do it as cash back. I've experienced where the brand and the advertiser said cashback is fine. I don't feel like that dilutes my brand, but the coupon is. Have you found that to be the same? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we get that a lot where certain brands wouldn't participate with us because of the coupon angle. But then once we added cashback, they were very willing to work with us. And to be honest, I don't see much of a difference from the consumer's perspective. I do think that cashback offers a really good value where you feel like you're getting more back than I think just saving money. So certain consumers, I think like my mom, for example, let's, let's use her as an example. She doesn't know how to do anything on the computer, but she is a hundred percent aware of how to get cash back on websites. So finding a coupon for her is incredibly difficult, but finding cash back for her is a value that she sees. She sees value in that enough that she'll take the time to do it. So we do get different kinds of consumers who I think prefer different kinds of offers. And if a brand can offer both, you know, it's really no hit to their brand, I guess, to have us offer that cash back. They're really not diluting the brand in their eyes by doing that because they're not giving the consumer anything. We are. I kind of feel the same way. Now, let's talk about verticals that are important to your consumers. So much has shifted. Again, since March 2020, we've been through a pandemic. Have you seen performing verticals and consumer demand shift as well? Yes, absolutely. So right now, our biggest verticals, and I think other affiliates in the space would see this as well, are travel, 
meal delivery. So Instacart, Uber Eats, HelloFresh, all those kinds of guys and home goods. I think before the pandemic, I'd say travel was maybe in our top five, but definitely not our top. And that's where it sits right now. Apparel, I think, was usually number one for us pre-pandemic. And that's certainly gone down a bit as we kind of move out of the height of the pandemic. Consumers just, you know, they don't need as many clothes. They kind of know the value in what they have, or they're doing thrifting, which is seeing a huge boom right now. And I'm a huge fan of that as well. And then more affordable brands that are in the fashion vertical, like Shein and Princess Polly, I think those guys will continue to do really well. But some of the more luxury brands, I think they're definitely hurting in that same category because of the price point to a consumer who knows I have to either purchase this dress or I have to purchase food for next week. You know, it is that kind of a difference. I'm fortunate that that just that phrase or that concept of choosing, having to really choose between food, rent, housing, and some of these other choices that we have. I hear that so much now. Yeah. And it's, it makes you feel like you're heading towards that recession when you hear that stuff so often. Yeah, that. And I'll tell you what, I had this discussion with our leaders at JEB earlier this morning, and I've been the one saying, I think we're in one and I think it's happening. That's always been really positive for the affiliate channel. Definitely, it sucks all the way around for everybody. But I went to the mall this weekend to, uh, I'm heading on a trip in a few hours, and we wanted to get some things to plan. And I tell you what, it doesn't look like a recession when... (laughs) You're at the mall. Every line was long. Every store was packed. Every restaurant full. And the traffic was crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah, because I've definitely noticed that too. Restaurants in particular are very, they're still just as crowded, I feel like, as they were before. But I, I also do think that's a little bit of people being bored as well. And I think that's why travel is definitely as high as it is right now. We all just want to go to Hawaii. We want to get out. We want to go somewhere, you know? So (laughs) Definitely. I want to get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for sharing that info on the vertical shift. You mentioned content and coupon and the difference. So talk to us about what you guys offer in terms of content, how the audience responds to that, and just generally the difference between the two. Yeah. How long is this podcast to to discuss this topic? This is a huge one. Well, we don't record (laughs) on tape anymore. So I believe we can go as long as we could imagine. (laughs) Yeah. We get this question so often, or we get brands that, you know, like I've said, say, we don't want to do coupon. We only want to do content. And there's always this running thread of, you know, where's the advertiser going to spend their money on coupon or content. And I just think it's funny that they always tend to only want one instead of spreading the funding out and getting a better rate of return from you know various types of consumers at every point in the funnel. What I've seen, and it sounds like from what you've seen over the years, is that content certainly provides a lot for various partners, and it's a great resource. But coupon sites like Coupon Follow, we're often the touch point of trust for these consumers. They're coming to us to see what is a good deal, what is a good brand, and why. So even if a shopper reads about you know, Macy's or someone on a blog, they'll always want to confirm, hey, is this actually a deal? Is this a good site? Is this a a good bag that I'm purchasing? They'll always kind of want to confirm that. And I think that's where our sites have the most value, where we offer them tips and tricks, how to save money and where to get the best deal. So new customer attributions, if that's important, ours are also incredibly high and usually higher than content sites. So often brands are really surprised 
when we show them we're the first and last click for new consumers searching for their brand. So really, it's just important, I think, to work with both types and not to pull your brand into only one part of that funnel. You should really be spreading it out and making sure that you're hitting every part of that funnel to make the most out of your revenue. That's great. You mentioned first and last click, so you're able to show them that. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what sort of capability you have to share that with the client? Because I think, you know, if we can boil it down, they're always advertisers. And we focus on this too, is what's happening at the last click? What sort of impact did that have on the sale? We use various technologies and reporting and things like that, but you mentioned that. So talk to me, if you can, about what you guys can do with that, what you can share with the advertiser and maybe what you've seen. If they're listening to this and and they're still skeptical or they don't work with coupon sites, what can you tell them? Yeah, that's always a hard thing to be able to produce because not every affiliate network offers that kind of insight. So I would say that we are limited sort of by the technology that we have and by the technology that is supported by those affiliate networks. But there are quite a few that offer insight into where that first click is, where the last click was, and then anyone that they clicked on in the middle. So you can kind of see where your brand falls. We try to get that reporting direct from the affiliate network so that we can go through it and see, hey, which brands are really popping as a first click and which brands are not doing so good. We're kind of in the middle or we're doing pretty poorly. We're only a last click. That's the last thing they clicked on. And we try to come up with ways to get those customers on a first click. So maybe putting that brand on a different page on the site or putting them in a newsletter where somebody may not even know about the brand. Those are kind of things that we can really focus on once we know those metrics. So I think it's really a limitation of the networks providing that. But as soon as we have that, we can definitely share that with brands and kind of discuss how to fix it if it's something that they're only looking for a first click or they're only looking for a last click. Thank you for that. That really aligns with one of our four core values here is data-based decision-making. And what I'm hearing from you, and if I could speak to our listeners and the brand that's you know, thinking about working with, unsure of their relationship and whether it's successful with coupon sites is there's a lot of data there. And your decisions on not just coupon sites, right? Any affiliate you work with should be based on the data. And so many of the networks have really good tools that will allow you to see the customer's path to purchase and what happens along the way. And you get to make a decision on those and and the partnership in general and say this partnership, coupon affiliate or not, they're doing a lot of introducing and a lot of closing. This one, you know, isn't, and you can make those decisions. So, you know, listeners, you're listening to this and you may have dismissed this category altogether. What I hope you've heard from Tiara and about Coupon Follow is the ability and the willingness to test, to determine the KPIs, to use the technology, to find out what the user behavior is, if that fits with your KPI. And then you mentioned like what you can do differently. So including them in a newsletter, changing the positioning, maybe changing the offer, exposing them to new audiences, that's something you guys can do. Yeah, we're definitely more than happy to work with any size of advertiser too. I think that sets us apart a little bit from some of the others in the space who maybe are only willing to work with your brand if you're going to spend $50,000 with them. We're not really like that. We want to help all these brands succeed and we want to give the consumer the best experience. So you know, yeah, always come to us, reach out to me or anyone on our team and We really work with each brand one-on-one to consider what their KPIs are, to look at the traffic and the click attribution and make decisions, like you said, based on real data. 
Yeah. And that making the decision based on the data is always the right way to go. And I think in these conversations of whether this group of affiliates or this particular affiliate is valuable or not, what gets lost, I think, is what is the consumer doing? And where are they going? And I think that's a real important piece is sometimes the data can show us what we want it to show. Sometimes it can show us, you know, what's really going on. But at the end, I think a lot of the data can miss intent and really just how they're using this, especially in now inflation and cost being such a everyday consideration, how important these things can be. So I got a few more questions for you. I asked my team, what should I ask? And my team came up with a few questions. So we'll do a little rapid fire and then then wrap it up. So what opportunities do you recommend advertisers take advantage of at Coupon Follow? There are so many. And again, I would say it's definitely dependent on the brand and what their KPIs are. Some of the things I think we can do best are we have you know cash back placements that we can highlight. So if a brand is looking to get into that, we can definitely highlight that to the consumer and do an increased cash back rate. Newsletters are really huge for a lot of brands just to get that visibility. And then homepage placement is always one of our best performing ones because it's the first thing a consumer sees when they land on coupon follow. So we always try to recommend that into a package if you know there's budget for that. Gotcha. Awesome. Do you happen to have a link to a media kit that we could link to or should they just reach out to you if they're interested in learning more about specific opportunities? Yeah, we can definitely provide you guys a link. It'll be one for just Q4 specifically, if that's okay. But yeah, because they yeah, this will come out for that. So okay, perfect, awesome. So, what type of consumer offers are most appealing to your audience? Yeah, we get that question a lot too. Whether you know dollar off or percentage off works best, or maybe a gift with purchase. Really, again, I'm just going to say it. It depends on the brand. We also look at the AOV and what they usually offer. So if your AOV is 50 and you want to get to 100, offering a dollar isn't really going to help. But if you offer, you know, $25, $30 off, that's a huge incentive for somebody to go above that $50 spend to 100. So we really have to look at the brand and see what their AOV is and what their targets are to kind of give them the best recommendation if it should be dollar off percentage or gift with purchase, which I think works the best in like beauty products or brands like that. But personally, I'd love to see a home goods store offer something unique like that. Like give me a free ottoman with my chair. I would love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I got a free hat with a car purchase. So oh my God, I don't know lines, about that. I was, <laughs> I was so happy to get the hat. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I don't know if that gives as much value. But you know, if you were happy with it, then they did their job. I do love the hat and I love the car. But <laughs> you know, one of the things we found while I was at Coldwater Creek that still blew me away, at the time, the shipping was really expensive. So this is 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And we just, our audience didn't really have a problem with it, but we would test every year. We'd test to see what offer worked well. And we, I did a lot of the emails. And so we would test four or five different messages every week and then send the one that works. And one of the things we tested was an absolute dollar off. So $10 off versus free shipping knowing that with the average order, the free shipping was way more than $10. <laughs> and every time, and our consumers, they knew the shipping cost. They made a lot of purchases, but the hard value of 10 bucks versus the ambiguous free shipping, it won every time and they could have saved another $10. So the value of testing those offers is really important too. Even, even testing amongst different too. partners. Yeah, 
consumers for coupon follow, your audience may react differently than another affiliate. Exactly. Yeah. So next question for clients with zero budget, how do you work with them? Like they can't do a media spend. We've seen that a lot, especially in these last couple of quarters, just with general, you know, market slowdown. So we really try to work with a client any way we can meet them. So if it's a CPA increase, if they have budgets to do that, that's great. We can work with that. If they have exclusive coupon codes that they are only offering to coupon follow, that's definitely something we can work with. So we're really thrilled to work with brands of all sizes, even if they don't have cash budget. I really think this industry in particular, performance marketing, really works best when it's beneficial to both parties. So we're very open. Awesome. Awesome. And do you consider the hybrid opportunities, you know, commission increase and a little bit of spend? Absolutely. We recommend that a lot if somebody says, hey, we only have $500, but we can increase your commission by, you know, five or 10%. That's huge. We're more than willing to take a chance on that. Especially in the cashback aspect, right? Yeah. Yeah. That gives a, a higher value to the consumer. We can share that with them. And in turn, we hopefully get more customers and, you know, they book again the next quarter. So we're definitely more than willing to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tierra, I have really enjoyed this conversation. We've gone from horses to <laughs> uh, deep dive into coupon affiliates. And I'll be honest, I talk about horses a lot. And so I think my audience is probably done with that. But so much good stuff in here. I really appreciate you taking the time. If there's a listener who wants to connect with you or work with Coupon Follow, what's the best way that they can follow you and get in touch? Yeah, they can reach out to me at Tierra, T-I-A-R-A, at couponfollow.com. That's probably the best and quickest way, but I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to find me on there and send a message over. Happy to chat and see what we can do. Awesome. And we will include a link to your LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Again, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's really valuable for our community to listen to. I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, we really appreciate you having us on and let me get a chance to talk about coupons and affiliate and horses and everything. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have a good day. Thank you. Thanks to you. Tierra, first off, I really enjoyed our conversation and getting to know you in our prep call and the podcast recording really has been a joy. Thank you for spending time with me and talking about these subjects. I really appreciate such transparency and just, you know, partnership from one of our affiliates. So many things we discussed here, everything from do coupon sites add value? What KPIs do you look at? What verticals are working? How coupon sites are changing and what they're doing now more than ever? And what specifically opportunities are available at Coupon Follow? So for our listeners, definitely you know, I want you to take away that Coupon Follow and many other affiliate sites, they're able to test they're able to determine with you key KPIs that will be measured. And then they are able to do different things, deploy different strategies, different resources, different collateral to increase and ensure the achievement of the goals that you have. So there's a lot of stuff there, a lot of content that they're producing and how you work together with that. And, you know, a deep dive into the consumer and that journey. So really appreciate, Tiara, you joining us. This was a really great conversation. Now, if you found this podcast useful, share it and tag the people you think really should be listening to it. Uh, share it on all your socials, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, anywhere else you find valuable. If you know someone who really needs to get a handle of this topic, send this 
podcast episode right over to them. And we would appreciate you leaving a five-star review at Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and you know the podcast player of your choice. I found I've been using Spotify more than anything else uh, lately, but that would really go a long way in getting the word out about this podcast. Now, we are planning for 2023 in season three of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, and we need guests. So if you'd like to come on the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast and talk about your career and leadership and the items of the day and performance marketing, partnership marketing, then we would love to have you on the show. Or if you know someone we should be talking to, definitely let us know. You can let us know at gethelp at jebcommerce.com. And if you need specific help on figuring out exactly how to achieve your goals through affiliate marketing, how to use the channel, how to integrate coupon sites, how to make sure that your KPIs are achieved, we would love to help. You can email us again at gethelp at jebcommerce.com. Or you can actually go and put some time on my calendar and I will spend that with you personally. You can go to calendly.com slash Jamie Birch and find 15, 20, even 30 minutes for us to chat. Well, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and look forward to new guests coming on board and season three coming out soon. And Tiara, thank you so much for joining me.